Pray with me. Father, thank you for each of these young people. You have brought them to this day. Next Saturday, they will walk across the stage. Young people from Holly Springs and young people from Fuqua Arena High and receive their diploma. Apart from your grace, they could not have made it to graduation. So we thank you for what you have done for them and pray that your hand might continue to rest upon them as they move into a new chapter of their lives. Thank you for their parents. Thank you for friends who have encouraged them, for grandparents who love them. And I pray that you would use that love from your heart and the hearts of those who are part of their family and circle of friends. Use that, we pray, to be an encouragement to them to continue on the path that they have chosen. And we'll be careful to thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are other graduates in our congregation. Some are here this morning. Graduated from college. I, I see two or three already. Uh, the June graduation service is directed toward our young people, but it is uh, to our high school graduates, but it is not intended to leave anybody out. Our congratulations to all who are within the sound of my voice who have graduated uh, from high school and or college. God bless you. Young people, by reason of your age and your graduation, you are moving into an adult world. It will call for sober and mature thinking. The world offers some wonderful advantages and opportunities. And I'm afraid that sometimes churches give the opposite impression that once you move out into the world, you're going to hell in a handbasket. This world offers some wonderful advantages and opportunities and not a few challenges. I want to offer you this morning three truths or three certainties, call them what you will. I believe that they are things that, as I offer them to you, that are more certain than that old saw that we always hear when we talk about things that are certain. As certain as death and taxes. Well, I want to, I want to tell you that uh, I believe what I'm offering to you this morning is more certain than death and taxes. Now, the reason I believe that is because if the Lord Jesus Christ comes back today, we'll not have to go through the avenue of death to get to heaven. Death is not certain. Taxes are uncertain because of all the loopholes in our tax code. Before I share those three particulars, I want to share with you some what I refer to as worldly wisdom written by a man who surely knows whereof he speaks. Um, if my notes are correct, about six years ago I read this on graduation day and, and I just felt like it was worth coming back to. Bill Gates penned these thoughts. There are 11 rules. Number one, life is not fair 
Get used to it. Number two, the world won't care about your self-esteem. The world will expect you to accomplish something before you feel good about yourself. Rule number three, you will not make $60,000 and have a car upon graduation from high school. If you think some of your teachers have been tough, just wait till you get a boss. Flipping burgers is not beneath your dignity. Your grandparents had a different word for burger flipping. They called it opportunity. Number six, if you mess up, it is not your parents' fault. So don't whine about your mistakes. Learn from them. I especially like this one. Number seven, before you were born, your parents weren't as boring as they are now. They got that way from paying your bills, cleaning your clothes, listening to you talk about who, how cool you are. So before you save the rainforest from the parasites of your parents' generation, try delousing the closet in your room. <laughs> Rule number eight, your school may have done away with winners and losers, but life is not. In some schools, they have abolished failing grades, and they will give you as many times as you want to get the right answer. That doesn't bear the slightest resemblance to anything in real life. Number nine, life is not divided into semesters. You won't get summers off, and very few employers are interested in helping you find yourself. You do that on your own time. Number 10, television is not real life. In real life, People actually have to leave the coffee shop and go to their jobs. Another one that's classic. Number 11. Be nice to nerds. Chances are you'll end up working for one. <laughs> now, I don't know that there's a wit of biblical wisdom there, but I think there's a whole lot of common sense there. Turning our thoughts to God's truths and some of God's certainties. And I have been tried to, to encapsulate a great deal in three statements. Number one, there is a God who can be known. There is a God who can be known. Now at this point, because I'm a pastor, you might expect, well, pastor's gonna start now on a litany of Bible verses that uh, we've read or heard before that support the thesis that God is alive and God is real. But because of the world into which you are moving, I'm not going to do that. Or you see, the, the, the society into which you are moving, if I said there's a God who can be known and then opened the Bible and started giving verses of Scripture, the society in which you are, into which you are moving would say, that's begging the question. And so I want to approach this first of three certainties, three truths from a little different perspective. I want to suggest to you and ask you to put your thinking cap on. I would like to suggest to you four lines of reasoning which establish a presumption in favor of the existence of God. 
four lines of reasoning which establish a presumption in favor of the existence of God. Number one, I would like to ask you to think for a moment or two about cause and effect. Cause and effect. The world is an effect which denotes an adequate cause. The world exists. There was a cause. It has never been proven that anything, anything exists without a cause. There are, in fact, no uncaused entities. And I suggest the only efficient and sufficient cause for the existence of our world is God. There is a God who can be known. And the second line of reasoning, I would ask you to think about purpose and design. In other words, there's not only a world, but there's a purpose in it. And it reflects design. Therefore, I suggest to you that we should look for the designer. And I further suggest that God is the only one who could design this world in which we live. Third, think about the nature of man. Man is a moral, intellectual creature. Therefore, he must have a moral and intellectual creator. I will use the Bible in this respect. The Bible says, and particularly the Apostle Paul in, in the book of Acts, says, look at yourself. Look in a mirror. You cannot be the offspring of stones. You are the offspring of God. The fourth line of reasoning is from the earliest of times, men have had a concept of a perfect being. And existence is part of perfection. Therefore, God exists. I believe these lines of reasoning establish a presumption in favor of the existence of God. And so I say to you, there is a God who can be known. Second, there is a truth which can be found. The certainty of this one builds on the first one. If there is a God who can be known, then would He not reveal objective truth to us? What, what possible purpose would God have in withholding truth from those whom He's created? And in light of this, there is objective truth, and hear me well, no matter what you hear when you further your education or whatever else you do in the workforce or the military or anywhere else, no matter what you hear, there are absolutes in this world. There are some things that are always right, and there are some things that are always wrong. Everything you encounter is not in a middle category where you can just ponder over and say, well, it's, this is right today. And come back to it three weeks from now and say, well, that's not right. There are absolutes in this world. Some things are always right and some things are always wrong. You can know the truth. 
And don't let anybody rob you of that. Third certainty, third truth I want to suggest to you is there is a life after death which you will live. Unlike the animal kingdom, man has a soul. We will live forever. That's out of the question. That's true. No doubt about that whatsoever. The only doubt, the only question is, where would you live forever? You know, I know quite well, perhaps in high school, certainly as you continue your academic pursuits, you will find yourself in a position to where you will be told, perhaps in no uncertain terms, that what you learned at home is not true. That what you were taught at home is no longer applicable. And at church, oh, that's scoffed at. What do you mean church? Even the mention of it is sophomoric. So what you learned at church, just put it away. Be done with it. You will hear those words somewhere along the way. Young people, graduates, I offer you these truths, these certainties this morning. You can know God personally through faith in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will lead you into the truth of this life and who will take you to heaven when this life is over. Solomon, wisest man who ever lived apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, asked God when he was in the process of being inaugurated as king over Israel. You can go back and read this in Chronicles. He asked God for one thing. Now, O Lord God, give me wisdom and knowledge. God responded to him by saying, Wisdom and knowledge have been granted to you. And then, out of that wisdom and knowledge which had been granted to this man Solomon, we read from his pen these words. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. May I say to you, I don't know any way to put it, just dogmatically, you won't know squat until you begin to get the fear of the Lord. Pardon my grammar. You won't know as much as Ned and the first reader. When I was in grammar school, that's the book, that, that, those are two characters. The reason some others are laughing is because they read the same book I had. You won't know as much as Ned and the first reader until you begin to do what Solomon says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I pray that you will get a hold of God's truths and let them guide your life. That's my prayer for you. I do want you to know 
And I've said this to some of your parents already this morning. Not all of them, but some of them I've managed to, to get to. This church loves you unconditionally. There are no strings attached. God forbid, but the, if you should walk out of this place and just mess up your life royally, come home. Come home. Even from Alabama. <laughs> you hear me? Come home. You will be welcomed. You will be loved. Hear me, church family. No matter what. I don't believe Wake Chapel is today a place where if a young adult comes home and things haven't gone well and they've made some mistakes. Today, this is not a church that puts any stock in that. It is, you're welcome. Come home. We love you. Listen, God loves us no matter what. This church does that. And the day that, it, should it ever stop, the day that it does, somebody have the, the fortitude to close the doors and say, out of business. That's how strongly I feel about it. Not give us a year to take care of it. Close the doors and go out of business. If we don't love unconditionally, we can help you. We will. I will see to it that each of you has my little business card with my phone number here at the church and my phone number at home. And I don't care what hour it is. If I can help you, you call me. Pastor, heaven forbid. May not ever be true, but if I should get in trouble and uh, officers of the law incarcerate me, call me. I don't expect to get calls like that, but I'll take them, I'll tell you, and I'll do what I can for you. We got some attorneys around here that are sharp as a tack. And I'll call them at 3 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> God bless you. This is a place of pleasure. I had a grandmother say to me this morning, I brought plenty of Kleenex this morning. Well, I need them too. <laughs> now, to help you and just give you another copy and remind you of all of God's truths. I've only mentioned three this morning. But to help you and to remind you of them, this church loves you and wants you to take from the church. You got Bibles at home. I know that. You got more than one Bible at home. Your parents, your grandparents, others have given you a Bible. We're going to give you one this morning. It is the only book that you will ever possess that doesn't have any errors in it. It has no errors in it whatsoever. Get a hold of its truths. Follow them. I don't know who William Brooks is, but I do Max. Max, come on up here. Just wait a minute. 
guys ever date Ashton, you better be careful. She knows what to do with that ball bat that she had in her hand on this picture. <laughs> Ashton Jones. God bless you, dear. Isn't that something? I look at hers because I never had one of these. <laughs> Ashley Keene. And I talked about a bat that this young lady has. Well, this one, she's got several German Shepherds. So just be careful. <laughs> Ashley Keene, God bless you. Cassidy, Alabama, Keith. <laughs> we're not telling her. We haven't even told her family yet, but we're not going to let her out of North Carolina. I don't care what she does. <laughs> God bless you, Jimmy. Josh, front and center, buddy. God bless you, young man. What a day. What a day. We got some parents with tears, maybe some grandparents wondering, how in the world did you grow up so quickly? But they have, and they've come from wonderful homes. God has already blessed them. And I think most of them know that they've been blessed of the Lord. They'll be going off to college or to an occupation. Do pray for them. I have a love for all of them and a respect for every single one of them. I know them and I know their parents. I know the homes from which they came. I know many of their grandparents. One thing I intended to say earlier and when I handed him his Bible, but I didn't. Appreciate Max Brooks. I was training for the ministry. Uh, and this is my litany of woe. I was training for the ministry and was classified 4F. Uh, I had six good friends. We went through high school together. All of them went to Vietnam. And their names are inscribed on the wall in Washington now. Had I not been where I was, I would have been with them. And I wanted to do that. Just between me and you, and you haven't come to church to know this this morning, but just between me and you, one of the regrets of my life is that I, did, I was unable, and it just didn't time, wasn't timely, and I couldn't do it, uh, serve in the military. And it ills me today that people put down the military Tears me out of the frame. Thanks, Max. Keep your head down. <laughs>